these were coming out of Psalms 23. But I ask you, though, you are familiar with this Psalms, that you don't run ahead of me. Amen. I'm probably not going to preach it the way you have heard it before, but God has showed me another way to approach it, to, to, to emphasize it, to explain it. Hallelujah. Glory. Uh, we're just going to read the first verse. Amen. Uh, and the reason why I'm reading the first verse because we're not going to get no farther than the first verse. Hallelujah. If I get through all of that. Amen. We're going to read Psalms 23, verse 1. And it reads as such from the New King James. It says, And the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The thought that I want to bring to our attention is seeing Jesus as our Lord, shepherd, and savior. Seeing him, recognizing him as your, as your Lord, as your shepherd and savior. Somebody would say, well, that's all in one. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's really not, and we would dive into this as we walk through this Psalms. Living a life used by God. When you recognize him as your, as, your, as your Lord, your shepherd, and your Savior, you are now living a life to be used by God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, even now, in the mighty name of Jesus, move Tracy out of the way and pour out, Lord, pour out, Lord, pour out of your power, of your anointing, of your wisdom. Father, just have your way. Father, just have your way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody would say, why, why, why are you dealing with the 23rd Psalms like this? Well, number one, I believe that David did not write this Psalms when he was young. I, I believe he wrote this Psalms later on in his life, midway to, to older in his life. Why? Because in this Psalms, it's showing an experience with the Lord. Someone who has walked with the Lord and who recognized how good he is, who recognized what it means to, to be in fellowship, to walk closely with him through life's journey. And the best illustration that David could come up with is that of a relationship of a shepherd with his sheep. And David knew that because when he was younger, a young boy, he was a shepherd. He tended his father's sheep. And if we just stay with that relationship of, of, of shepherd and sheep, yes, we will learn a lot, but we need to make the transition. I'm going to try to, through this series, to make the transition of showing what David is talking about in his life journey. David is talked about more than any other character than perhaps Jesus. His colorful life, his ups and downs, 
his ins and outs. David is put on full display for us to see him, for us to see how God worked with him. And as I walk through the Psalms, I'm going to walk through his life also so that we can see and, and begin to interpret how God wants to walk with you and me. Hallelujah. Listen, God is not a respecter of person. So, so, so if he walked with David this way, he will walk with us this way. Hallelujah. He will walk with us. He will talk with us. He will guide us. He will show up right on time. Oh, how we need this doing this time. How we need God to walk with us. Oh, how we need him to navigate us through all these difficult and snares of life during this time. If we ever needed the Lord before, we need him now. I hope you know that. I hope you're not trying to live life by your own wisdom or by your own power. I hope you know that he's there. He's waiting for us to just surrender our lives to him as Sister Terry's song. Amen. Amen. I, I went into some of the Greek, and, and it says, it says, it says, the, the Lord, Jehovah, the, the one who has always been, the one who is the everlasting God. David says, the, the Jehovah, the one who has always been, who have all knowledge, who have all understanding, the one who created everything, he said, he is mine. You know, that's personal. That means that I'm not just talking about a power up there. I'm not just talking about some God that arbitrarily sits high. He said, I know him. He is mine and I am his. Have, have you made God yours? Is it a personal relationship? Can, can, I, can I be frank with you? There's a lot of people who go to church and they got religion, but they don't know him. You could be around Jesus and not know Jesus. There are people who was raised up in church and they go to church because it's the thing to do. But you got to get past that. You got to get beyond that. Listen, Jacob, he, he, he grew up around God. He, he grew up around knowing him. But Jacob didn't really know the Lord till he got in trouble. He said the father of my grandfather Abraham, the father of, of the God of, of Isaac, my father. But he never until he wrestled with him did he say he's my God. I hope you have wrestled. I hope that, that God has intervened. I hope he has showed up. I hope you don't think just being a good church person is going to get you in heaven. No, you got to know him for yourself. It's a personal relationship that you can say, my Lord, my God, my shepherd, my savior. Hallelujah. He will come into your life. He will intervene. He will show himself to you. Listen, I'm not talking about logic. I am talking about experience. He's real. And until you taste and see that the Lord is good, you really don't know how good he is. You really don't know how real he is. David talked about a personal 
one-on-one relationship with him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. As, as we track David's life, we realize something. David was a young man, a teenager. When David is anointed by God to be the next man that's going to be the king, David could not have been any more than perhaps 15 and 16. How I know that? Well, I know he has seven brothers. You got me. He has seven brothers. He was the eighth son of his father. Here he is, and and we know three of the brothers followed King Saul into the army. You had to be, in Numbers 145, you had to be 20 years old to join the army. 20 or older. Three brothers are, say, over 20. So if you count it, you can count it 22, 21, 23. Okay, that's three brothers. 19, 18, 17, 16. That's seven brothers. And that's his mother having a child one a year. So David has to be 15 or maybe 16 at oldest. And yet he had a personal relationship with God. Hallelujah. God talks about David because he's tired of King Saul because King Saul was willful. He was doing his own thing. He would not obey God. And when God talks to, to, to Samuel, his prophet, he says, Samuel, why are you crying? Samuel, well, why are you crying? He said, because I have sought another man. Did you know that God is seeking men and women who would chase after him? It's not us seeking God. It's God seeking us. It's God trying to get our attention. It's God trying to wake you up out of your slumber. It's God trying to get to your heart. See, he, he, don't, he don't really want your body. He don't really want your mind until he has your heart. Because when he has your heart, he got all of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Samuel 16, 7 up on the screen. He said, but the Lord said to his prophet Samuel, Samuel was crying because he, 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 another verse, but this one I'm going to go with. This verse deals with that he tells him to go seek Jesse, and Jesse has eight sons. But before this verse, Samuel is crying, and God says to him, said, why are you crying? I have moved away from King Saul, and I found me a man. Now he sends him to Jesse, and Jesse is bringing in his sons, and he has eight sons, and and Samuel had just seen the oldest son. He said, oh, surely this is the one. And God speaks up. And he said, do not look at his appearance. He said, I'm not like you. I don't look at the outside. I don't look at what they think they can bring to the table. God has the table completely full. Can I help you? God don't need us. We need him. And whatever we think we bring to the table, if it's not submitted under the mighty hand of God, it's not needed. Let me help you. God is breaking some of us. 
He got to break us of us. Why? Because some of us are so self-willed. Some of us are so strong. You know what God had to tell me? I'm going to go there. God had to tell me I was too strong for my own good. He had to break that girt myself up. He had to break that being too tough. God said, that is getting in my way of where I want to take you. I need you to be broken in my hands. I need you to feel your weakness, not your strength. I need you to know that you need me. Listen, my brothers and sisters, the problem with us is that the world has taught us that you bring something to the table. The truth of the matter is God does not need our independence. He needs our dependence. And when God shows you, you need him for every breath you take, for every move you make, for every decision that you need to surrender yourself to the Lord. The Lord don't need you to bring anything to the table. He did it all. He paid it all. And unless it is surrendered under his wisdom, under his power, under his anointing, God says, I'm not looking at the outside, I'm looking at the heart. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God would choose those that everybody else rejects. I'm so glad. Can, can I help you? Funny that Jesse, the father of David, is bringing everybody, all of his sons, in front of Samuel to be chosen, and he forgot to call David. You know what that tells me? David lived in a dysfunction family. He was the youngest, and even his father didn't think of him. That tells me, along with some other things, that David was the outcast. Do I have any outcasts out there? I have any people out there that feel like you grew up and you was invisible? Do I have anybody out there that, that, that they recognize that, that you took care of everybody, but nobody took care of you, and they allowed you to take care of them, and nobody ever recognized that you needed to be taken care of? I know I'm talking to some people. I know we got some people who was raised up in dysfunctional family. I know I got some people out there that feel like they're black sheep. I, I know I got some people out there that feels like David, and you feel like that you've been left out, that you wasn't chosen, that, 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 that if you had any luck, you got bad luck. I want you to know, God specializes with people who feel like they're all by themselves. Hallelujah. God specializes with people who just don't fit in. Have you ever felt like that, that everybody else was round and you were square? You just didn't fit into the mold of everybody else? I want you to know that's when God is working. God chooses people who just don't fit the mold, who just don't fit in. That's when, listen, when God have an anointing on you, it makes you different. When God has favor on you, it makes you different. When God has special work for you, you just don't feel comfortable. When everybody else feel comfortable, you just don't 
is working with you in the shadows. Before God exposes you, you can't tell me God will expose you without working on you. No, 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 no. God, God has to work out some things. God got to show you that he is God. That's in private. That's what nobody sees. Let them underestimate your relationship. Let them underestimate your anointing. God, when he gets ready to expose you, what he's going to bring out of you is what he's been working on all the time. Hallelujah. Somebody, you are losing hope because you think you've been where you're at for too long. Keep praising him. Keep praying to him. Keep getting in God's presence. Keep trusting him. Keep divine the word. Let God reveal to you who he is. Listen, you got to get beyond head knowledge to a illumination and revelation of God. Hallelujah. You may know him as Savior, but do you know him as Lord? You may know him as Savior, but do you know him as your shepherd? Let me explain what, what, what shepherd means. It means that, that you, are, you know how to walk behind him. See, cattle, you push them. Sheep, you lead them. See, when Jesus is your Lord, you are placing your steps in his steps. He controls your attitude. He controls your thinking. You begin to understand, Lord, I trust you. I don't understand everything that's going on around me, but I know you well enough. Can I be honest with you? Let me be honest with you. You really don't know how deep you are till trouble hits and how you respond in trouble. You don't know how deep you are in relationship with him until sickness hit, until financial trouble hit, until we are in a pandemic. And if you don't know how to maintain your peace, if you don't know how to maintain your integrity, if you don't know how to stay focused with all hell done broke loose, what it says is, is that you got religion and your relationship isn't deep enough. But I tell you, when God's been working on you in, in, in the shadows, David, can you see him? He's tending sheep, and he's wooing the Lord with songs. He's writing poetry to God. He's writing love songs to God. He's singing and making melody in his heart to God. He's spending time with the Lord all by himself. He, they thought that they gave him a no good job, but they put him in the right spot because when everybody else was having a party, David was all by himself taking care of the sheep. And while, and while he was taking care of the sheep, God was working on him. God was molding him. God was shaping him. Listen, your trouble may become your friend after a while. What am I talking about? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If it wasn't for all the H-E-L-L I've been through, I would not be where I am. 
It has not been the mountain experiences that has taught me. But I have learned what I know about him. And I'm not saying I'm all that, but I know something. I know he's good. I know he's faithful. I know his word is true. How, how you know that? Because trouble taught me how to run to him, how, how to call on him. I, I made him my Lord and my shepherd in my trouble. I started off as him as my savior, but when all hell broke loose, I needed to see him as more than just my savior. I needed him bigger. I needed him greater. I needed him more awesome. See, God will put you in a place where the only one that can help you is him. And if, and if, and if you don't go to him, you're going to lose it. God will make you feel like you're going to lose your mind. But I, I'm telling you, he's a mind regulator. He's a heart fixer. But he is trying to strip you, strip me of us. David is young. David is, 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 is just a teen. But his experience with God, God says he's a man. The Lord says, because I have refused Saul, because Saul won't listen. Saul too strong. Saul is all up in himself. He treats me with no respect. I give him instructions and he don't do it. After a while, God will get tired of us. I know he's long-suffering, but don't tell me he will suffer forever with you. How I know, look at Pharaoh. If you read the text about Pharaoh and it's not coming up, it answered it. The scripture says, Pharaoh hardened his own heart five times. The last five times, God hardened his heart. A lot of people have a lot of trouble, but theologians said this, the same sun that melts wax hardens clay. Hallelujah. Listen what I'm saying. God says that when he's working on you, that the trouble is not meant to destroy you. The trouble is to break the flesh off of you so that the spirit can show up because God only uses your spirit, man. If you're born again, God has to take the layers off. I hate to tell you, you and I are not bananas. We're onions. What you mean by onions? There's layer after layer after layer till God can get to the core. Hey, this is really just setting us up. I really got a lot more. So I'm going to go ahead and finish this and we be back with this. Let me show you something. Let me go where I want to go, okay? It is second Corinthians 12, 7, and 10. It is Paul who said, I pray three times. I pray that the Lord will move this thorn out of me. He says, Satan buffets me. He hits me. He harasses me. It's troubling me. I don't think it's just three prayers. I think it's three seasons of prayer. Listen, and God doesn't answer.
answer him to the third season. You know what that's saying? God allowed Paul to struggle with it. He allowed Paul to wonder what in the world is going on. Don't tell me God won't sometimes answer you. God won't put you in the fire. God won't sometimes leave you in what you think is a difficult situation. Listen, what's good for the spirit may not be good for the flesh. It may not feel good. It, it may not sound good. You may be crying. You may be suffering. But God is up to something. I was thinking about a tube of toothpaste. If that tube was alive, every time you squeezed out of it, the toothpaste, that tube would say, what you doing to me? Well, I'm trying to get out of you, the pace that is in you. Listen, God is trying to get the pace of the flesh out of you. Have you ever forgot to, to close the top on the toothpaste? And the top of it gets hard and crusty. Some of us is hard and crusty. And God has to remove the hardness. And he's squeezing and he's squeezing. He tells Paul, he says, no. He said, because that, that, that thorn is helping you. Because if I don't leave the thorn, there might be, there probably be. You get full of pride, but the thorn reminds you of your weakness. You know that you need me. You know you got to depend on me. You know I got to be your shepherd. You know I got to be your Lord. You know, you know, you know, you know. Is there anybody out there that have come to your place that your weakness is now your strength? Your infirmities are now the power of God shows up when you're broken. See, he just don't want you cracked. He wants you fragmented. He wants you into pieces. But his grace, his grace will hold you. His grace will make you. His grace is sufficient. His grace, his grace, his grace. Not just his saving grace, but his holding grace. His power grace. His making grace. There's dunamis power. In his grace. Oh. The process don't feel good. But the power. The favor. That comes afterwards. Trust him. In the process. As he prepares. To lift you. David could not have been anointed unless God had already processed him. He said, I found somebody. His heart is chasing my heart, but only after I broke his heart. Is God breaking you? Are you in the process? Because you keep on getting in the way of you. That's really the problem. We keep on getting in the way what God wants to do with us. Today, you need to say, Lord, I surrender. And if you don't know the Lord, you need to give your life to him. You need to say, Lord, today, 
I give myself away. I give myself to you. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it, but I know I need you. Every Christian, we ought to be prostrate before him in our hearts. Lord, I need you. I need you. What you need to do, if you never accepted him, you need to say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. You paid the price for my sins. Today, I give my life to you. Show me how to make you not just my Savior, but my Lord, my shepherd, where I will follow you. Today, he's better than anything else could ever happen to you. He says, taste and see, which means experience me and see how real I am. Today, we want to pray with you. And if you have made that decision, if you need someone to personally pray for you, 513-400-5131. 513 is the area code. 4515131. Call that number. Somebody will answer. Somebody will get back with you and they will cover you in prayer. Come on. Let's pray together. Father, even now, Lord, don't know why you love us so much, but I know that you do. And as a shepherd takes care of his sheep, Lord, you take care of us. Even when it seems like, Father, that, that we have been rejected, even when it seems like that nobody else gets us, you get us. You understand. You know us. Lord, you chose us before time. You, you, you had us on your mind. You love us beyond what we can ever understand or imagine. Lord, teach us to look beyond our circumstance, look beyond our situation, and realize you love us. You are for us, that we can trust you. Even when life is at its worst, mm -hmm. that's when you show up and be your best. So, Lord, listen to our cry. Listen to our prayer. As I pray out, I don't know what else other people are going through, but I know you know. I know you care. You told us to cast all our care upon you because you care for us. So today, Lord, touch, heal, deliver, set free, meet people where they are. Let your love Flow and flood them, even now, Lord, even now. Allow them to experience your presence, your anointing, right where they are. Yes, God. We thank you. We love you. We give you the highest praise because you are worthy, even now, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for 
for staying with us this hour. We will be back here next week. Thank you for your support. Pray as we move forward. We are moving through this together, and he is leading the way. He has us in his hands, and we're going we're gonna to worship him and praise him and come out of this as pure gold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to worship with Sister Terry again. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God. For the Son, it's three for the Holy Ghost. See, you're all three in one. Hours created to praise you for the rest of my life. I'm gonna give you the glory, I'm gonna lift my name on How many got a crush on Jesus? He's so good. He's so real. Come on, as we leave you, just say it with me. Hey, I got a crush on you. Yeah. I got a crush on you. I can't hear you. Come on. I got a crush.
crush on you. I got a crush on you. Hey Jesus, hey. I got a crush on you. I got a crush on you. Yes I do, yes I do, yes I do. The way you hold me, the way you mold me, the way you move me. I got a crush on you. Hey, his name is Jesus. I call him in the morning. I can call him in the noonday. I can call him anytime. I got a crush. I got a crush on you. I got a crush on you. I got a crush on you. Hey, can you call him Jesus? Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's my Alpha, my Omega. He's my beginning. He's my ending. I got a crush. I got a crush. I got a crush on you. Say it with me. Jesus. Hallelujah.